0: Oh.
1: I greet you all. For people online, thank you for coming. For everybody in the sanctuary, I bless God that you're here. This is a wonderful day. It's a day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. But also, this is our first family appreciation. the clock back 19 years a vagabond walked in the tabernacle of <laughs> <laughs> had no recourse didn't believe God hated God actually if you heard my initial sermon you heard this but I'll say it again hated God had an encounter in this place with the Lord Almighty Because of this family. And my life hasn't been the same since. Because of your faithfulness. Because of your faithfulness. I thank God for y'all every day. I really do. And this message is encouragement to you and to you. I've been pondering over it. I said, Lord, you have to help me because brother is not. I need help, Lord. So the first scripture was read. If you would, uh, first off, if you, if you have, if you have taken your mask off, please put it back on. Uh, And also let's stand for the reading of the scripture. Psalm 23, 6. And then John 15:16. And then Romans 8:28. You have Psalm 23, say, "Amen." And it reads, "Surely, your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all my days, and I will live in the house of the Lord for the rest of my life." John 15, 16. You did not come, I mean, you did not choose me, but I chose you. This is Jesus speaking. And appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that remains, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Here's my topic, good, the fruit that remains. The word good, G-O-D, the fruit that remains. Let us pray. Father Lord, we just thank you for this time of your presence. Thank you, Lord, for this day that you have allowed us to be in. Thank you, Lord, for the breath of life that is inside of us that you put in us. Thank you, Lord, that you have kept us. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to this day. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would take control of this. Pull me away and tame my mind that I may be able to speak the words that you desire to encourage your people and your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. So we all know the word good. I think think most of us probably use it at least six times before we got in here. But the word good is quite overused in our daily lives. The food is good. I'm feeling good. That song made me feel good. He or she makes me feel good, et cetera, et cetera. But what is good? What truly is good? So, once again, I want you to turn with me to Genesis 1-4. Genesis chapter 1, verse 4. It reads as such, God saw that the light was good. So God separated the light from the darkness. There's a term in theology that is worth remembering. It's called the law of first mentions. Okay? What that means is that whenever you try and interpret something, you always go back to where it first appeared. You never interpret it at the end. You go back to the beginning, work your way to the end. So in this scripture, the Hebrew word for good is tov. Can you say tov? I'm going to help you all learn Hebrew today. Not a lot, though. But. <laughs> tov. It means more than something that is pleasing to your senses. Okay? The light was not in this context exemplifying moral excellence, purity or pleasing or pleasing sensation. But the light in Genesis 1:4 creates life and enables the following days of creation to uphold God's great command, "Be fruitful and multiply." Without light, there's no vegetation, no livestock, no birds. Nothing that we have would not be here if we didn't have light to nurture it. Light creates life, so it is good. You follow me so far? So what would God God call good? Good, and this is something you can bookmark, because it's going to be used a lot. (laughs) Good is anything that produces life. And contains the potential for more life within it. Good is anything that produces life and contains the potential for more life within it. Whatever is conducive to life in God's creation is good. For God Himself is good, and that goodness is reflected. In all his works. I want to encourage you today. Many have faced trials, hurt, and loss. Some have suffered beyond what they believed was their own limit. COVID 19 has robbed many of time, resources, income, family, and friends. But I want to tell you today that in the midst of all of this, God's plan is still good for you and will work for you few things to consider number 1 as a follower of Christ God's goodness chases after you chases Psalm 23 verse we just read, Psalm 23, verse 6. You know, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. We all know it almost by heart. Um, if you don't know it by heart, you, like Elder Hoskins said, if you're reading the King James, I bet you anybody that's been to church can start quoting that bad boy. <laughs> but, you know, whenever we read it, sometimes we hear it translated as, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, right, which is not a bad translation. It's still good. But there's something else going on here. The words used in Psalm 26, uh, Psalm 23, 23, 6 is only used once in this order. It's not used like this in any other place in the Old Testament. Nowhere else in Scripture is the order of these words put into place. So, first, the use of the word pursue, pursue, pursue right, with goodness and faithfulness, okay, or goodness and mercy, depending on your translation. It's strange, okay. In Psalm 23, like I said, it is the only place that you can find it. There's a, the Hebrew word for it is called um, radaf. Can you say radaf? Radaf is a violent word. Whenever it's used in the Old Testament, it connotates violence by an enemy towards Israel. So whenever you see this word in any other part, it means persecution. It actually means harm to you. But in this particular context, it's coupled with goodness and faithfulness. God is good. Our God loves us so much that he commands goodness and faithfulness to pursue those he loves, violently pursue you. See, follow, to me, I felt a little offended. Because I was like, follow just kind of sounds like it's like lovesick. You know, it's just following you because it, it miss you so much, you know. Love sick puppy. Then I looked at the word pursue. I was like, okay. With pursue, it intensifies the veracity of God wanting you to, to actually feel this goodness and this faithfulness. Now remember the definition of good was anything that produces life. Okay? And contains the potential for life within it. So God actively pursues us to invest life in us. So that we may produce more life. That is good. Number two. God uses everything for Good. Now, I want you to really follow me here because this is touchy. Because we can think of our own lives. We ain't got to go through our history. Just think about ourselves for a moment, where you were, maybe 20 years ago. If you ain't that old, 10 years ago. If you ain't that old, five years ago. If you ain't that old, one year ago. Circumstances popped up that may have felt like it would have conquered you. And you probably said to yourself, Like me, Lord, what the world? What is this for? Why in the world am I the one you put through all of this? Why I gotta suffer? Why me? Romans eight, twenty eight, as we know. Says, and we know that all things, we know, it's a very important word, you should know that all things work together for good. For those who love 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 the Lord or love God and who are called according to his purposes. So good is not a momentary action. Good is a process. Let that sink in. Good is not a momentary action. Good is not fleeting. Good is a process. The things that you like requires a process. Think about it. Your favorite food requires a process. In its raw state, it's probably inedible. Or it's not as good. when you mix them together over some heat maybe some olive oil you know what I'm saying maybe some Tony Sachery um, everything Tony Sachery (laughs) you know but you mix it up and that aroma hits you and you're like oh my goodness yes yeah this is it think about your favorite song favorite form of music if they had just started doing stuff how many of us like harmonizing in here? I mean, we have beautiful singers, right? What if people just start, you know, out of the blue, just start yelling? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like literally just, like, ah, ah, just, just all like four or five people doing in different places. You're like, what the world are you doing? Shut up. You know? <laughs> that sound is not. But through the process of harmonization. Yeah. Through the process of harmonization, you get a beautiful sound. How about y'all, you got some good smelling people in here too. Your favorite perfume and cologne, do you know it's made out of musk? Musk in its beginning is funky, okay? As crazy as it is, skunk musk is actually used for multiple colognes and perfumes. Would you just rub skunk, on, uh, skunk musk on you and you'd be like, y'all smell good? Would you do that? Yeah. Absolutely not, right? <laughs> so, the process, though, of mixing it with different spices and letting it sit and simmer to the right temperature, bottled up, and sold to you for probably $14, $50 if you fancy <laughs> $50 and you rub it all over your body to smell see God does not do good haphazardly God does not so haphazardly let me break this down God doesn't just do this stuff by chance Good don't just happen. No, it don't, no, 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 no. Good don't work like that. It don't. So for us in here, we have to then start beginning to reevaluate the way that we interpret good. Okay, we have to start doing that. Okay, because what we've done, we've called momentary things good. We've diluted good. God want to give you to 110 proof. He want to knock you out with good. <laughs> One sip. Oh, taste and see. that the Lord is good. 110 proof. He's not trying to dilute this. So I'm going to give you some examples real quick, that's in Scripture of God's goodness and his good working on the behalf of the people that He loves. I'm not going to have y'all go through all these scriptures, so just being real. Joseph, Genesis 38, chapter 38 through Genesis 50, like all of that, 12 chapters, okay? Like, and definitely if you want to look into this, it's wonderful to look at because the process of good here is beautiful. So he dreams a dream, you know? He dreams a dream that his brothers are going to be bowing all the rest, of and they're like, nah, bro, what the world are you talking about? This is T. Stevens' paraphrase, by the way. Um, so he's like, no, no, nah, no, nah, we're going to lock this. We got to get rid of this dude. So the brothers sell their own, own brother into slavery. By a process, Joseph then ends up in Potiphar's house. His gifting for administration began to blossom out of him. And Potiphar's like, this boy bad. I need to keep him around. But the problem was um, Potiphar's wife. Also thought he was bad. Um, young men, young men, young men, young men, young men, I'm 37 years old. When God begins to, this is like not even in here, Lord download um, download. When the Lord expresses His goodness through you, you're a target. Young women, women, when the Lord begins to express his good through you, you become a target. Your fragrance fills room because you're expressing God's good. And because you're in the room, I think many people can attest to this. When you're in a room, you are outputting life into a dead room. Dead things like living things, study bacteria. They have to attach themselves to living things to live. In the same manner, demons. Oh, I smell that. That smells good. Let me get over there. Young men, young men, young women, Young women, guard God's good in you. See, Joseph guarded it. Joseph left his clothes. (laughs) He was like, you can't have these, Uh, but you can't have me. And then he fell to false accusations, sexual assault, in our terminology. Now, he was sent to jail. It's all still Joseph. Now, we ain't done with Joseph yet. This is all Joseph life. He's in jail. He meets two people. He interprets their dream Pharaoh here. Pharaoh's like, come on. I need you to interpret something for me. He interprets it. Pharaoh's like, all right, look, I'm going to give you the ability to govern. I need you to go out here, and I need you to figure out how you can keep these people alive. And Joseph's administration, because I, I think I heard this from a preacher, and I was like, I need to throw some money at this brother. Just playing, but he was talked about how everybody calls Joseph a dreamer, but Joseph is an administrator. His gifting was administration, not dreaming. So don't let nobody tell you what your dream is. I mean, what your what your purpose is. Let the Lord tell you what your purpose is. That's an aside, okay? Now Joseph does a wonderful job for seven years. They had wonderful harvests, and he was able to pull all that back. And then all of a sudden, famine hit. And guess who was prepared? Joseph was prepared. Guess who needed help? Family, family, trifling old family. Don't walk back up. They've been humbled, though the Lord been working good in them too. If you don't believe me, uh, read about Tamar and Judah. Uh, what a wonderful story to study. Um, God have been working His goodness even on that side. So by the time they got to Egypt, they were humbled. And Joseph was able to take care of not only his family, but Egypt. And when they finally saw Joseph, they were like, this brother is going to kill us. We did did all this. We literally threw this boy into a pit and left him for slavery. This, it wouldn't be out of the possibility. He did this to us. And Joseph said, no, 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 no. As for you, Genesis 5 20. You meant to harm me, but God intended it for good, for a good purpose. So he, not, not Joseph, God, so he could preserve the lives. Well, I told you about good's definition. is conducive to create life and to allow life to multiply. So he could preserve the lives of many people as you can see to this day. See, Joseph had gotten to the point where he had suffered so much that he knew God was with him. No person that has been through what he's been through, I know folk doesn't been through half of this and don't even talk to family. Family just ain't go to an event. And they're like, forget this family. I'm going to make my own family. Joseph took all of this, the culmination of all these things, the process of good, him having a dream, being thrown into slavery, the whole process. He looks at it and says, God intended for good. God's good was planned from the beginning to preserve lives. God's good caused life to abound from an unwinnable situation. Any other person thrown into Pharaoh's jail is as good as dead. But God on Joseph elevated him even out of prison. Let me throw you another example. Rahab. You can look her up in Joshua. Just read Joshua 1 through chapter 1 through 6 to get the whole perspective. So, in the culture, Rahab was an innkeeper. Innkeepers in this particular point in time in the ancient Near East usually doubled as prostitutes. So, they called her a prostitute, which she likely did because the scriptures say that she did. Now, the spies of Israel came in, and she was the one to actually keep them safe. Now, the king of Jer- Jericho, this is the crazy part, at least for me. I was, like, processing this. I was, like, Lord, you are amazing. So the king of Jericho sent people to Rahab and was, like, yo, is they in, are they in your house? And she lied. <laughs> I just want you to understand this, process this. She lied. And God said she had great faith. Just want you to. We need to redefine lie. I mean, like, I'm just, I'm going to throw that out there. I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, because when God says, thou shalt not lie in the, um, in the commitments, the commandments, um, it doesn't mean what you think it means. Um, (laughs) Lord, do you want me to do this? Uh, (laughs) uh, Okay, all right. So in that particular scripture, the lies are malicious that God forbids. She's lying to keep somebody safe. Abraham lied. Once again, this is not a, this is coming. Abraham lied to try and protect his own life because a promise was on his life. See, God is so good. <laughs> even think about this. God is so good that he can look at that. David, Lord have mercy. David, in the presence of his enemies, acted insane. Lied to them by action. And the Lord kept him safe. As a matter of fact, Psalm 34 is written because of that moment. I'm only saying, I mean, like, like Lord, you got to help me. Lord, have mercy. I want you to hear me. Rahab lied to protect what God loves. Lord, have mercy. I want you to process this. And God said that she would be safe. That she would be safe. And pretty much in the process of this, her whole family was saved because of that one action. When you're doing God's work, your heart, your heart, what you do inwardly for him at the end of this is what matters to God. Pomp and circumstance, who cares? How well you dress, who cares? God is looking at your heart. He looked at Rahab's heart. Saw the lie. And still said she was faithful. He protected her. Gave them commands to get Rahab and them out out of Jericho before the calamity hit Jericho. And her story didn't end there, which is more beautiful. She ended up marrying, it's spelled like Salmon, I'm just going to be real, Uh, it's spelled like the word Salmon, um, who is a son of Judah. Her son is Boaz. Boaz married Ruth. Ruth and Boaz had a baby, they had a baby had a baby and one of those babies is named David. David was anointed king. God put a promise on David that David out of his line will be born a king over all creation. Then you skip to Matthew and who in there? Rehab. For Jesus Prostitute is in the line for our Savior. The process of good worked in favor of the works in favor of those who trust God for the impossible. For the one who has faith in God, God is the only plan. Well, the only good is the only plan our God has for you. Whether you are feeling terrible or distressed, it never nullifies the truth. God will still create light in your dark. And you know why? Because that's who he is. His goodness and love are never separated from us. And nothing can ever separate us from God's good. Romans eight thirty five to 39 reads, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or the sword. As it is written, for your sake we encounter death all day long. We are considered as sheep for slaughter, or sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we have complete victory, complete victory through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, what should you do? Love and trust him. That's it. The scripture says, for those who love him, And are called according to his purpose. So even in your hurt and pain, trust him and do good and watch God's goodness work through you. Point three, God's goodness creates multidimensional fruitfulness in the believer. When we are told about goodness in in the New Testament, we find it in the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the um, parts of goodness, which reads that, uh, that's Galatians 5, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. With this, with this fruit, we can bear much fruit. Jesus told us in John fifteen sixteen, you did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that remains, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. The good that God works in us causes us to become fruitful beyond our understanding. When we see, excuse me, when we see, apologies, With this type of fruitfulness, God can plant you anywhere and you will manifest his good and produce life where you are. See, the fruit has to remain. So when the Lord has chosen you and put the seed in you, the seed is conducive to create life like a tree. The tree grows, it creates seeds. The seeds drop, it creates more trees. It's being fruitful and multiplying. The first command. So I pulled from out of the scriptures, there's a tree. It's called the myrtle tree. And it's a tree that's used in multiple instances in the scripture, but it was used to create booths and for oils and things like that. The, um, but I, just, I was like, look, this tree is very interesting for, to express like your multi-dimensional goodness for the believer because it's actually used in scripture for the same reason. So there's a particular type of myrtle tree called the Saharan myrtle tree. Everybody know what the Sahara is, right? Sahara Desert in Africa. The desert is the size of America. Like, I'm not even lying to you. Like, you could literally, like, don't let the maps fool y'all, okay? Just don't let the maps fool y'all. You could drop America in the Sahara Desert and there'd still be room. That's how big Africa is. It's nothing but desert. This myrtle is found in the northwestern part part of the Saharan Desert. And it grows in temperatures of 100 to 122 degrees. And it's evergreen in the desert. It can produce fruit. It actually does. People use the fruits that they eat them. They eat the fruit and the berries and stuff off the tree. They use it to create juice, to drink, in the middle of the desert. What's even crazy is that the land in the Sahara It's sandstone, so there's not really supposed to be something growing in the Sahara Desert. But this tree finds a way to survive in harsh conditions. Its leaves can be used to make essential oils to soothe people. The bark on it is medicinal. The bark can be used to reduce fevers, um, body aches, and also to help with people that have inflammation issues. I process this and a myrtle tree is very interesting because you can put the myrtle tree in any climate on the planet and it can grow likewise I say to you be like myrtle trees be like myrtle trees evergreen faith this tree is growing in a desert and has green leaves In the middle of a wasteland, it's growing. Okay? All right? It withstands all seasons. Every single season. All seasons. And then, for you, like the myrtle tree, while you're growing in barren places, your smell. Your smell can draw people near. Draw them near to you because of the fragrance that's coming off of your leaves in the middle of a wasteland. Lord, I thank you. And by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, endure and see God's faithfulness take over you. Your bark will be medicinal and will heal, will heal. Every part of you, Lord have mercy, every single part of you can be used for God's good. Every circumstance that has ever popped up in front of you that you think has beaten you, You think that it was there to take you out. I have something to tell you. All things work together for good. That thing that's frustrating you, that's bothering you and getting on your nerves to the point you feel like you're about to go insane. All things work together for good. That sin that so easily besets you, that's been bothering you all your life, Mm, Lord have mercy. Submit to God. All things work together for good. See, that thing that's in you makes you relatable because when you suffered it, if you used it for God's good, God gets the good. So that thing that you're suffering a thing that you might feel you're even struggling with, it makes you empathetic towards people who have to deal with the same thing. And guess what you can be in the, in the desert, in a barren wasteland, like the myrtle tree. You could be evergreen. And they look at you and they say, how in the world are you smiling? Why in the world are you still got faith? This God has, has tortured me. He's tortured me. He's tortured me. Why are you smiling? Because the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That mistake that you made, you think that God's good don't work in there too? All things work together for good. I had this example in my head. My great-grandma would make soup (laughs) and she would have leftovers that I can't explain to you, okay? I'm talking about cabbage and my mom's never going to tell you, you know, y'all probably haven't seen this too. Cabbage, green beans, something else, you know, piece of meat, it ain't really nothing, really make nothing out of. I'm like, I'm like this, this is not a meal. But grandma went through the process, looked at all these strange ingredients sitting in front of her, something that should have been thrown away. And she said, live, make a soup. And the soup was fire. Oh, Have mercy. Every mistake, I have to read, every single mistake, every single one that you've made, every single one, God can use for good. Every single one. Even the thing that you've been fighting in your mind against, God, I don't know, I'm not going to get that up. I'm not going to get that up. God can use it for his good. I want you to consider this now. As Christians, I'm speaking to believers. All things work together for good. If you are an unbeliever, you may not understand this, but even still, you benefit from God's good. There's nothing on this planet that escapes God's good. Now, I end with this to say to you as an encouragement. Endure. 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 Trust. And love. And do good. So that God can say about you, you've done good. And about your life, that it was good. I love y'all. And I pray that this message encourage y'all, in Jesus' name. So we come to the part where we extend an invitation to those that are online, those that are here, that have not seen this goodness in the correct way for those that are backslidden, that may have misinterpreted the things in their lives as a form of bad, but God can use it for his good. Today, will you come to the cross? Jesus is well acquainted with suffering. He's very close to the brokenhearted. This is not a God that sits high and says, No, I don't have time for you. This is the God that came to the valley. So, if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord today, should we stand? Everybody's there, we good. Let's stand. So if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord today, repeat after me a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I am sinner. And I know that I cannot save myself. But today, I know that you died for me on the cross, that you rose again, grave, and you are seated on high. And you make intercession for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for accepting me into your kingdom. Fill me with your spirit, your Holy Spirit. And dwell in me. In Jesus' name, amen.